Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. So uh, today we're kicking off a new series for the next three weeks. It's called What's Her Name? Over the next three weeks, we're gonna look at three incredible stories, three different women who manifest incredible generosity, and we, we're not for sure what their names are. These are these anonymous givers, these incredible stories that we're going to look at and learn some incredible things about generosity. If you have your Bibles, go over to Luke chapter seven. Luke chapter seven and verse 36. says, when one of the Pharisees, now the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, seemed to have everything all together externally. When the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. It was common in this time for people to, um, they didn't sit on big dining table chairs for uh, a meal. They would sit kind of on the floor with pillows, sort of reclining. Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. I said, going back. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life. Now that, that word sinful indicates she, she was either known as being very promiscuous, more likely known as the town prostitute. A woman that had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now in the ancient world, perfume like this was incredibly expensive. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, just a quick note. We, uh, we, this this uh, Luke's account doesn't tell us who, uh, this, what this person's name was. Now, we see in three other Gospels a, a story that is in some ways similar to this one and in some ways different. One of the other Gospels tells us that this woman, it was Mary Lazarus's sister, but there's enough differences between the accounts in the other three Gospels and Luke's account. For instance, the other Gospels say that it was in Bethany. Luke's account says Capernaum. Uh, the other Gospels say it was the home of a leper. Luke's account says it was the home of a Pharisee. The other Gospels, the controversy that was raised was, why didn't they use this expensive gift to, ca to care for the poor? Raise, and and, and, and the, uh, in Luke's account, we see a whole different objection. There's enough differences between the stories that many scholars believe that these were two separate, somewhat similar, but in many ways different stories. And so for, we're not for sure, is, this, is these different angles of, of, of one story or are these two different stories? But for our sake, we are not for sure the name of this woman here in this story. Luke does not tell us. And so let me share with you three quick things about what's so amazing about this lady's generosity. Here's the first thing. Her, her generosity was an expression of full devotion. So what's incredible here is she just says that she takes this, this alabaster flask. Now, what, what most scholars believe is that this would have actually been a, a, a necklace that she had worn. It was common in the ancient world for prostitutes to, to wear a necklace of this perfume or this scented ointment around their neck as sort of a cosmetic, as sort of an, a, a, a part of their allure. A, 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 it was a, an identifying trait of a prostitute in the ancient world. And so what we see is, is this woman 
who, who comes to Jesus, but this act of generosity is really this act of incredible devotion, her, her, her taking this tool of her trade, if you will, and then pouring it out in its entirety on Jesus' feet and crying at his feet and, and wiping his, his feet with her hair, this act of generosity and this, this act of this, uh, of this, uh, of, of, physically washing his feet. It it was an expression that she was going all in to follow Jesus. And her taking this this mark of of what identified her as a prostitute, what she's saying is I'm giving up that old identity and and now I, I am trading it in for a new identity of following Jesus. Her generosity was a mark of full devotion. So, and here's the thing. Generosity's never about generosity. It's never primarily about money. It's what Jesus is after is all of us. Jesus is after our hearts. Jesus is after us. And then us, this full devotion to Jesus, generosity with our time, and with our talents, our abilities, and with our financial resources are simply symptoms of someone who is fully devoted to Christ. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's this inextricable link between the direction of our heart and the direction of our treasure. And so this lady's generosity is a mark of her full devotion. Here's the second thing about her generosity. Her generosity was inspired by the highest motivation. Let me show you this. Look here at verse 39. It says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, it's fascinating, a couple of verses here. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Pharisees, thinking to himself, maybe muttering under his breath, but not saying out loud, he, he, says, he says, well, why, if he was really a prophet, he'd never let that type of woman touch him like that. And then I love how it says, Jesus answered him. Now the guy doesn't ask Jesus a question. He's thinking to himself, if he really was a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman that was. And then now Jesus reveals he's at least a prophet by answering his unasked question. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. Uh, Denarii was a a day's wages. We're talking about a year and a half's salary. And the other 50, talking about a month and a half salary. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. It was customary in in the ancient world because everyone's walking around in sandals on very nasty dirt roads that were also just sort of open sewers. It was the common thing is when someone entered into your house for a party, either the host would wash your feet or a servant would wash your feet. At the very least, you'd say, hey, here's some water. Wash your own stinky feet. He says, you did not give me any water for my feet but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head yet, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. It's important to ask ourselves, why do we give? 
And there's a bunch of good Bible reasons to give. One reason we give is just out of obedience. Bible tells us to. It's, it's, it's from the Old Testament all the way through the New, this principle of, of giving, this principle of generosity, this principle of setting aside a percentage, these first fruits of your income. It's simply an act of obedience. That is a legitimate and good reason to give. We, we give out of obedience. And another good and legitimate reason to give is, is the Bible tells us that as we live generously, we, we invite the blessing of God into our lives. Jesus said, given it will be given unto you. And Malachi, it, it, Bible, it's the only time God tells us to test him, that as we honor him with that first part of our income, he says, see if I don't open up the windows of heaven. Now, we don't give to get, but there is this aspect that, w- that when we honor God in this, that, that we reap what we sow. You reap what you sow, you reap the same that you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap later than you sow. There's just this principle, and so we invite the blessing of God in our generosity. Well, there's also this aspect where we give to meet a need. So sometimes we simply give because there's a need that we have the opportunity to meet. The Bible says whoever gives to the poor lends to the Lord. It's a, it's, a, it's a great thing to do. The Bible encourages it. This morning I was sitting outside the Starbucks off of Wedge Parkway, as is my custom many Sunday mornings, to sit outside that Starbucks, look over my message one last time. This guy comes and he, honk, he pulls up his car next to me, honks the, honks the horn. And I thought, oh, this is a Life Church guy just wanting to say good morning. I roll my windows down and he rolled his window down and, and, and then he says, hey, I'm, I'm in a tough spot. My girlfriend's really sick at home. I don't have any money for, for, uh, for anything to eat. And at that point, I, I thought, I'm not sure if this story's true. And it really doesn't matter. The Bible never calls us to be detectives, right? Do you understand that if we only helped people who deserved it, it wouldn't help anybody? And you realize that like God didn't save us because we deserved it, right? It was because we didn't deserve it. And so... I, uh, and, and honestly, a couple of months ago, because I, I never carry cash. I never carry cash because my, my kids will ask me for it. And so, uh, <laughs> so now they just ask me to Zelle, you know, and uh, usually in larger increments. And so I never have cash, but a couple of months ago, I was convicted about the fact that I never have any cash whenever, because I'll see someone in need and I'll think, oh, if I had some cash, I'd give them some, but I don't have any. And so, SOL, you know, and so... Uh, so I, uh, so since then I've been trying to keep a little bit of cash in my car. Don't tell my kids. And so, uh, and so I said, "Hey, buddy, I'll just give you whatever's here in my car." And it was seventeen dollars. And, and Casey was sort of blown away. And then he began to tell me about his girlfriend, and we got to pray together. And 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 there's these moments where we simply give, simply to meet a need. It's a good reason to give. Whoever lends to the poor, whoever gives to the poor, lends to the Lord. And there's a sense in which we give to make a difference and to fuel the mission where we come together as God's church and your generosity here allows us to make a difference in everything that Life Church is able to do locally and globally. It's a good reason to give. When Damani Ranch High School called us up three weeks ago and said, hey, we had this big event. We really wanna feed all the kids and do this big thing. We don't have the resources to do it. Can you help us? 
Because of your generosity, we, we just, it was gonna cost us about $10,000 to feed those 2,000 kids a bunch of Chick-fil-A. And, and, uh, and but because of your generosity that fuels the mission of everything we do here, we didn't even have to think very hard. Just because of your generosity, we were able to a bunch of kids right next to our church that, that may never have yet set foot in a church, they know that the church right next door cared about them enough to feed them all a bunch of Chick-fil-A because generosity fuels the mission, and it's important to think both in terms of the big mission, but it's, but we think about the mission, we think also about individuals. The lady that was playing the, the keyboard here today, her, her name is Farida. And this morning before church, uh, she showed up for all the worship and production team and she brought a bunch of donuts. Uh, not, not like the donut uh, holes that, that we feed the common folks. Uh, she was, uh, <laughs> she's bringing full-size donuts, right? And she attaches this note to the donuts. I just ripped it off in the middle of worship first service. Here's what she said on this note. She says, today marked one year since I first stepped foot in this church. She remembers the exact Sunday. It was her first day here. I wanna say thank you to all God's people that I look up to and meet on Sunday. I'm forever grateful for all of you. These are all great reasons to give. We give out of obedience, we give to invite God's blessing, we, we give to meet needs, we give to fuel the mission of God locally and around the world. But here's the thing, the best reason to give is out of love motivated by God's incredible grace in our lives. And so this woman Jesus said, well, why, why has she done this incredibly generous thing, poured this expensive perfume uh, on my feet, and, and why, why has she done this and, and cried and, and, and cleaned my feet with her hair? It's, it's because uh, she had this incredible sense of her, the, her desperate need for the grace of God. Here's the thing about this lady. This lady was what Jesus referred to as being poor in spirit. See, when Jesus kicked off the greatest sermon that was ever preached, his opening line was, blessed are the poor in spirit. And see, to be poor in spirit is to declare spiritual bankruptcy. It's to recognize that apart from God's grace, I'm in this incredible mess. Here's how Tim Keller talks about it. He says, to be poor in spirit, it means that you are deeply in debt before God, and you have no ability to even begin to redeem yourself. God's free generosity to you at infinite cost to him was the only thing that saved you. That lady was poor in spirit. He said, but many people today resist Jesus' teaching. He said, Keller goes on to say, on the contrary, this Pharisee and many of us, he says, on the contrary, many of us believe that God owes us some things. He ought to answer your prayers and to bless you for the many good things you've done. Even though the Bible doesn't use the term, by inference, we can say that you are middle class in spirit. You feel that you've earned a certain standing with God through your hard work. You also may believe that the success and the resources you have are primarily due to your own industry and energy. See, this Pharisee wasn't really aware of his incredible need of the grace of God, even though he needed it just as much as that prostitute, but that prostitute recognized just how much she needed grace, and, that, and, and in receiving that grace, her response was gratitude and love. The greatest reason to give, there's a bunch of good reasons, 
But the biggest and best reason to give is we simply give in response to God's gift of the gospel to us. The gift of grace, the gift of salvation leads us to give out of love and gratitude. Here's the third thing about this lady's generosity. She gives us a path towards duplication. See, here's the thing. You ever read the Bible and spilt my water on everything, and um, <laughs> need to get one of those little camelback things, a little straw here. <laughs> um, you ever read the Bible and you think, I bet if I'd been there, I'd have responded better. You ever see those disciples that saying dumb stuff, always arguing about who's gonna be the greatest? You're like, oh, well, I certainly wouldn't have done that. You see those, that crowd saying, give us Barabbas. You say, well, I certainly wouldn't have been among that. And you read these stories of these heroes and you're like, well, I, I probably would have been like that. And I think to look at it that way is, is, is uh, naive at best. And maybe, you, maybe we look at it and say, well, at least if I know everything I know, knowing the end of the story, knowing the resurrection, having the benefit of the scripture and salvation, the Holy Spirit living inside of me, I think I would do the right thing if I was there. And you think, well, I would love to be in a room with Jesus in the flesh and have an opportunity to do something like that lady did for Jesus. Because I think if I knew at least everything I know now and salvation and the Holy Spirit living inside of me and me having knowing how the story ends and if I was with him in the room, I, I think I'd do the right thing. And, and then we just have to step back and say, well, well, that's just never gonna happen. I'm not gonna be in this life in a room face to face with Jesus. And, but the good news is that Jesus says, we still have the opportunity to duplicate this kind of love and generosity directly towards him. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is telling a story about the final judgment. He says this. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you look at, looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or in needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, therefore I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. About four years ago, uh, Claire and I had this realization that, that we live pretty safe suburban lives. Now, may, maybe some of you drove in today from South Central LA. <laughs> but most of us drove here today from South Reno and live pretty, and so we had this realization that, that if we're going to meaningfully engage the least of these, it's going to require intentionality. It's not gonna be something that just happens at a level that seems like it honors God without intentionality. And, and Life Church, we're, we're committed to giving you opportunities for, for you to lavish love on Jesus himself by lavishing love and care for the least of these. One of the ways in which we do that is through our partnership 
with Compassion International. Uh, in 2018, 2019, um, we, uh, Life Church, uh, we were able to give, because of your generosity fueling the mission, we were able to give $120,000 to Compassion International. What Compassion International does is it seeks to care for the poorest children in the world and the poorest places in the world, and the way they do it is through local churches and, and through child sponsorship. So what happens is churches in these poorest villages, as they partner with sponsors uh, of, around America and Europe, other places, they, they begin to care for the poorest children of, in the world through providing uh, food and education and care and teaching them, uh, and healthcare and teaching them about, about Jesus. And, uh, but the, the biggest barrier is in many of the poorest villages in the world, there's no church large enough to house a Compassion Project. So we sent $120,000 that would build a church, that would house a Compassion Passion Project, how's a project that, that, uh, that helps um, pregnant ladies and, and ladies with small children and uh, lower infant mortality and incredible stuff. And so we actually did a uh, mission trip down there to this church in Bolivia. We have a few photos here. That is a uh, picture of the building that we were able to build, another angle of that church building that, ha that houses that church and the Compassion Project. These are the couple that pastor that church there in Bolivia. They make Claire look about seven foot tall. And so uh, um, this is the cool, here's what's so cool. So uh, um, we will do another uh, mission trip to uh, Bolivia. And, uh, and the cool thing is on these mission trips, you have the chance to meet the uh, child that you sponsor. And so these are people on this mission trip that we did that time next to the child that they sponsor. There's Claire with Lloyda, who's one of the kids we sponsor with compassion. And uh, this is a park that our mission team built while they were there. They call it the Life Church Park and from their friends in Reno, Nevada. One of the doctors in our church was able to do some, some health checks on those kids during that mission trip. And so there's a couple hundred kids that, that, that go to this project at this church um, regularly throughout the week, some of them every day, and, and are getting healthy food and education and, and so many things. Now, because the project has grown, there's a bunch of kids in that project that are in need of sponsors. It costs $38 a month to sponsor a child. Um, and, and then there's a couple hundred other kids in surrounding villages, they're in Bolivia, that are also in need of sponsors. And so when we go on our next trip, which will be in the next 12 to 18 months, um, whether you sponsor a child in uh, this area, uh, at, at this church or the surrounding churches, you would have the opportunity to meet them. But today we're blessed and that we have an alumni a, 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 of a compassion project from Kenya, we have David Wanganka with us. Let's welcome David to the stage. We're grateful to have David with us to share a little bit about his story as a Compassion alumni. And, and uh, so David, thank you so much. Thank you. But grateful to have you with us. Absolutely, I appreciate uh, you inviting me here today. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah. So David, tell us just a little bit about your, your story as a child and, and, and what things were like before you uh, engaged Compassion. Yeah, so I'm so grateful to be here today. Um, as uh, Pastor Dev said, my name is David Wangaka. Not Wakanda, please. It's Wangaka. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't speak Wakanda language. Most people ask, can you speak a little bit of Wakanda? We don't have Wakanda. <laughs> it's Wahili. So, but... Um, 
I was born and raised in Kenya. Uh, I have two brothers and two sisters, um, and my dad was not in the picture when I was growing up. So my mom had to take care of five children all by herself. Um, it was very challenging and very difficult for her because she was only making about $30 a month. Dollar a day? A dollar a day. Um, and she would work 12 hours. Um, she would walk 12 hours yeah, to earn a dollar. To earn a dollar. So most of the time we wouldn't even see her a lot because um, when she would leave around 5 a.m. in the morning, we would see her around 10 p.m. at night. Wow. Um, and so her, the priority for the money that she was making was to just pay for the rent. We used to live in a very small house, um, a 10 by 12 square feet. Like, like a size of a, a master closet or just a child's bedroom. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. And uh, my early recollection is, uh, you know, sleeping on the ground, uh, on the dirt floor, no beddings. The room was divided uh, with different curtains, just for privacy for my mom and, and for us. It was so small that we had to put some of the dishes on top of the roof. Um, and I remember the problem, the main problem was starvation, because the only money that she would make was only enough to pay for the rent. And that means if she never paid for the rent, we would be kicked out until we paid the rent. Um, so we only had one time uh, to eat during the day, and that was the evening when she would bring some leftovers. So during the day, we decided, uh, we came up with a good, brilliant idea. My brother you know, introduced us to the city. We started going to the city, and we would go to this huge dumpster where all the truck was to bring all the trash and stuff. And, you know, we would take sticks and uh, kind of... Now, so you're them. dumpster diving, like, at what age are you doing that? Um, since I was, like, four years old, uh, four, five, six, seven, that, that was the life that I knew. Every day? Every day. Dive the dumpster or, or just get the one meal at nighttime? Absolutely, or just yeah. get the one meal. Um, so I, we would do that very early in the morning um, before we had to walk to school. Uh, because we were still, my mom was trying to also provide for us to be able to get to school. So also we couldn't, you know, we couldn't really have like, you, you had to have uniforms and you had to pay for tuition and that kind of stuff. And so most of the time you are chased away, you know, to go and bring, you know, bring money. You are not allowed in class until you pay tuition and that kind of stuff. So it was, it was survival. So you stopped going, to, you weren't even going to school at seven years old. Absolutely. So what happened is that uh, one time um, uh, I had this great fear. When you are living in extreme poverty, the greatest fear you have is to get sick. Because if you get sick, you don't know what will happen. And as you can see the statistic right now, when you get sick with malaria or cholera or typhoid, especially if you are living in extreme poverty, you are in a higher risk because you will die. Um, one time, my mom really got very sick when I was seven years old. And uh, she really didn't talk about it until when it was too late. A friend of her was able to take her to hospital. And when she reached to hospital, unfortunately, it was, it was too late. The next day, the friend came back home, a neighbor, and uh, he said, she said, you know, she didn't make it. She died that night. So, so you and your siblings, you were seven years old. Yes. Or fully orphaned at seven years old. At seven years old. And, and so tell us, how, how did you get connected to Compassion? What, what was that? How did that change your life? When, when I lost my mom, 
the only hope that we had. We, we lived in now extreme hopelessness. And so we went to start living with different relatives and, and, and friends. And then one time, I, we had already dropped out of school. One time I was just in the street in the, eating from dumpster, and I was invited by a friend, actually a stranger, who found me in the dumpster and invited me to come to church with him. So I followed him, we went to church, um, and he kinda gave me some clean clothes and some shoes, and you know, I've, you know I really, and there were so many children. One thing I, I had no idea, they had a child development program a, com uh, a compassion project. At compassion project. Yeah. But the problem is there is no compassion name, so I thought it was just a feed-in program for this church. And, and that's intentional. Everything compassion does, they mm -hmm. through, do in the name of the local church and Absolutely. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Not, not the brand of compassion. Not yeah. the brand of compassion. Yeah. yeah, and that was the most beautiful thing is that even them being able to take this kid from the street, giving that, that kid some new clothes and some new shoes and introducing this kid to this new environment and new mentality, and they protect the, the dignity of the child. So when you look at the children's packets, you'll realize they are not like malnourished children with like this dirty clothes so you feel sorry for them. No, that's this the ministry. They want to change this child to let this child know that he or she is worth something. And so getting to that church, I started you know, going to there, there playing with the other kids. I just wanted to be a child again and just have fun. You for know? sure. And um, I, we would eat a clean, decent meal. And then, you know, the, I, I was reintroduced back to school. So I started going back to school again. And I loved education a lot because at some point in my life, I knew God had given me some grace to know that um, education was one of the paths of getting out of that social poverty because my whole generation family, thousands of generations, no one had ever graduated. I was the first one to graduate from college. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Isn't that a great, isn't that amazing? Um, Thank you. So, so tell us a little bit more about the impact of compassion on you just as a, as a whole person. So when you start going to the program of compassion as a child, uh, it's, a, it's a long process. It's a life-changing uh, program where you are introduced to Christ. You read the Bible, you go there, you, you learn about God. At, at that early age, they give you age-appropriate Bible, and I remember when I was 16 years old, I decided to give my life to Christ. Uh, of course, I had given my life to Christ so many other times when the pastor was preaching, just for sorry reasons. Just like for to, compassion for yeah, the pastor? Yeah, yeah, uh, for the pastor. Who hasn't uh, but, done that? <laughs> yes, it's so, uh... But I was able to give my life to Christ. And that's when I felt like poverty really left my whole family and it was broken in my whole family, my whole generation. Um, and I learned that, you know, I learned how to love, you know, because I would receive letters from my sponsor. My sponsor was the most important person in my life because of the encouragement. Um, this family that picked a packet from a compassion event and started, decided to sponsor that child, uh, they would write to me and they would tell me, we love you. And that was the first time hearing the word love. Because even my mom, uh, I know she loved us a lot, but she, she didn't say those words because they were very sentimental and so powerful, and she didn't want to have emotions and stuff. She wanted to survive. Uh, and so hearing them say, we love you, God has great plans for you, we are praying for you. And they told me, we have a photo, a picture of you on our refrigerator. I really didn't know what the refrigerator was by then. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm glad my photo, my picture was somewhere and someone was praying for me. And they would open uh, the refrigerator and they would pray for me during meals and they would see me and they would remember that David is just part of this family. And uh, over the years, that love, I was able to also start loving other people. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm married to my beautiful wife. She, she was born in Oregon. We have three beautiful, awesome kids um, awesome. that love Jesus. One of them just sat, turned seven years old uh, two weeks ago, wow. the age I was when my mom passed away. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's reminded, we actually sponsored another child uh, uh, for, for, for just for, as a blessing. Today I'm a sponsor, and I used to be sponsored, and now I'm giving back. Um, and every time we sponsor a child, we don't even think about it because we know the impact. I remember one time I was speaking in a church and I took the packet that I was using on stage, but I forgot to turn it in. So I went with it home. I got home, I asked my, ah, like my, my wife was, you know, so the child is like, oh, you sponsor another child? I'm like, oh, I picked it up, but I haven't sponsored yet. I'm still praying about it. And she said, no, don't pray about it. You just sponsor the child. God wants you to sponsor. <laughs> what are you praying about? about? So um, it's, it's because we know and we understand that they need the $38. We don't need that. We, they, you know, like for us, like we are safe where we are. The life we have right now, we are safe. You know, and now we, we want to duplicate that and give to someone else who really needs that. Incredible. So, David, now you've gone on and, and become a, a businessman. Absolutely. Um, in addition to your work with Compassion, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, in, in addition to what I do for Compassion, um, just giving back to Compassion, when I came to the United States, I went back and started, I started a master's in business administration. I, I graduated with an MBA um, because I've always had a passion to just kind of do business and impact people and young people. And so my wife and I, we, we are operator, owner of a Dutch Bro Coffee. If you want a job, come apply there if uh, you're 16. <laughs> if, we, if you don't pass the background <laughs> check for the preschool, and then, uh, then you can go work at your Dutch Bro. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we have been so blessed to have a community of people that we meet and pray together. We, we invite people. Your employees, you have your employees to your Absolutely. house. Absolutely, we, we let our employees come to our house, just sit down with us, just love on one another, and they see the life of Christ that we lead, and they also want that. Even though sometimes we don't really preach to them, but they can see, you know, we have that impact. When they hear the story about giving, the reason why we are doing this is not because of us, but it's just because of other people and other projects that we have. It's such an incredible um, life-changing moment for each and every one of them, not to be that selfish, but to know, wow, this is not me, it's not for me, it's just God using me as a medium to bless other people. Uh, and so what I would say is that uh, when you join or when you start sponsoring a child, it doesn't matter whether it's Compassion or any other organization, but what you are doing, as long as a Christian organization, you are joining in the mission of releasing children from poverty, but also you are joining in the mission, the Great Commission, of going into the world and make disciples of all nations. And how incredible is that to partner with God in his mission, uh, and he has already given us the resources and everything. All we need is just to soften our hearts and just do it, not actually out of emotions, but out of, not even out of obligation, but out of love for God and the mission of God. Good. Yeah. Let's thank David. God bless you. Hey, in, a, in a minute, we're going to pray uh, for um, all of the kids. So, so 
you might have come in, there's, in the, in the row in front of you, there should be, every third chair, there should be one of these sticking up like this. We're gonna pray for all these kids, and so even if you um, aren't in a spot to sponsor uh, a child today, we're going to pray for all this. So everyone grab one. If you, if you don't have access to one of these, raise your hand and people will bring you one. We'd love it if one, one of these per family, if every family unit was able to have one of these to pray for here in a moment. If you need one, raise your hand. There should be one uh, near you. We have someone here in the middle that's looking for one. Raise your, we have someone over there looking for one. And so just keep your hand raised and people will bring you one. Just make sure that, that, uh, that there's, your family has one of these to pray for in a minute. If we're, uh, let me tell you this. Um, uh, if you are wanting to sponsor, um, there's a, you could do it one of two ways. On the front here is a QR code um, right here. On, on the front, this little child's name is Eliana. Uh, there's a QR code right here in the corner. That's the, by, by, by doing that, it's the fastest way. You become their sponsor today. Um, if QR codes scare you, uh, then you can uh, write on this little card. So you'll just rip this little piece off. This goes with you if you're sponsoring. The rest of it, you rip, off, rip this off, and if you wanna go old school, you can fill this out. If you're going QR code, write the words QR. Let me tell you this clearly. The best thing you can do is sponsor a child today. And if you do it, whether you do it old school or write the words QR, you're gonna uh, give it to the uh, um, people at the doors on your way out. You'll turn in the card, either filled out or with the words QR code that, uh, that you did the QR. The second best thing you can do is leave your packet on, uh, don't, don't mess with the packet, leave it here. Um, the worst thing you can do is to take the packet and not sponsor. This child will then get lost in the compassion abyss for months, sponsorless, until they realize in six months, some terrible human took the packet, didn't sponsor. <laughs> and so, best thing you can do is sponsor. Second best thing you can do is leave the packet here. Some, some of us have already got a couple of, of compassion kids, and, and, and you just ask yourself, does God want you to spend another $38 to, to, to make a, a difference in um, someone's life. I know people that have sponsored 10. One of the most compelling things I ever saw in my life was, I, I, before we ever began our partnership with Compassion, I went to visit a handful of Compassion projects in Ecuador. Uh, I got to go with the then president of Compassion International, Wes Stafford, uh, and, and Wes had shared in that journey. At, at that point, I forgot how many, he, he sponsors like 15, 20 kids, it's something crazy. And, uh, and he, we walk in this project and, uh, and this little girl, ran up to him that he, he'd never met, and, uh, but he'd been sponsoring her. I think she was about 15 years old. He'd been sponsoring her her whole life. They then embraced and cried literally for like 30 minutes. It was one of the most compelling things I've ever seen in my life. And so you can uh, QR code or fill this out. You'll give it to the people as they leave. We're gonna pray for all these kids in a minute. Let's just watch this quick video. So let's just take a minute. Let's just pray for all these kids by name and Let's just bow our heads and just pray a blessing over the child that this picture you've got there. They would have a tremendous sense of God's love for them, that they are precious in his sight, that he has plans for them. Pray for their provision, pray for their needs to be met, pray for their future. Lord, we do thank you for these children. Lord, we know you love them. Lord, we know that they were created in your image, carrying your likeness, created to know you and to walk with you, 
And Lord, I pray that each one would have a tremendous sense that you're with them, that you care for them, that you see them, that you love them. And Lord, we thank you Lord, that we have opportunities like this to care for the least of these. And in doing so, we're caring unto you. As we love these children, we're loving Jesus. As we care and feed these children, we're caring and feeding Jesus. And Lord, we do just recognize that all generosity is ultimately just in response to you, the ultimate giver, the giver of all good things, the one who gave himself on our behalf so that we might become your children. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.